find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Everybody. Howdy, buzzards. This is Macy. This is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzzkillers, a proud podcast of the Podmoth Network. Hey, yo, hey, yo, umbrella, Ella, Ella. <laughs> we are under their umbrella, Ella, Ella. We are. Ha I like it. <laughs> oh, ow. I just smacked my finger. That hurt. Anyway, hi guys. Hello, everybody. We are back for Triangles. It's part two. Part duh. Part duh. Of the Alaska Triangle. You already know. Yeah. <laughs> I already told you. <laughs> this is not a surprise. This uh, is just. This is just a lot Everybody of going, God damn, give us part two. There's a <laughs> lot of information. Honestly, I could probably do another part. It might be a little shorter. <laughs> or I could just do a whole other part just on aliens. Patreon. Boom. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm not like the maybe like, I believe in aliens, but the, I don't know. I don't find them that interesting. It becomes hard to report upon sometimes unless something extremely rare specific happens. OK, like that. It, the, it all becomes very similar. Do you remember in um, there was that new show that was on. Well, it was like the remake of that show um, on Netflix. Oh, we watched that episode together. Yeah, the episode about the aliens and where like a bunch of people saw the same thing all over the same skies. Yeah. They all lost. Like that. It's interesting. But it was, I guys, I have to tell you right now, I don't have a lot of UFO stories for you. I'm sorry. Um, Like Nicole said, maybe there'll be a Patreon. There hasn't been real talk of that plan yet, but maybe. (laughs) Um, Maybe. Maybe Maybe not. Maybe. Um, I mean, that's a good idea too. But um, I... It was just so hard. I could have gone on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah. And never known really when to stop because I I will find it all relevant <laughs> to what I want to tell you. So you were the kid in school that when they told you to highlight the important things, you'd highlight the whole page, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> I'm so proud. That was very spot on. I was I was like, oh, God, what is she going to say? <laughs> and then you said that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Didn't everybody do that? What are you highlighting? And. I used to read. I used to flip to pages, read one paragraph, and pick what I thought was the most important out of that singular paragraph. But there's more. I know. I just like, like information. <laughs> I just want to be, if I'm going to talk to you about something, I want to be as informed about that thing as I can be. That's fair. I don't want to have a half-assed conversation. Plus, if you've ever met my husband, he loves to learn. He's very smart. So he, when he wants to talk about your neurons firing <laughs> and, and his, you know, whatever. He does talk a lot about that podcast, like how things work. Yeah, he listens to things like that. So, like, every day he has, like, a new thing where he's like, what did you hear about this? He literally watched it. Or he, sorry. Hi, Ty. I love you. Um, He listened to a podcast all about cats. 
And now he's just like, well, Lane doesn't like this because of this. And cats don't like this. And I was like, hey, catologist Tyler. Do you, like, he's so smart. So One podcast and he's a genius. <laughs> so, so I guess, um, yeah, I got to keep up with it. But I mean, I always kind of did, I guess. Oh, my yeah, God. That's me. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Let's talk about this wine. I want to try this so bad. We're so excited. We bought this today. So we, yeah, we had to go wine shopping. So as you know, Macy and I work together. So we quickly ran to a nearby liquor store and we ended up finding this line of wines that we ended up buying two of them because we just loved them so much. Yeah. And um, they're actually a Finger Lakes wine. So they're an upstate New York wine. Yay. I love um, upstate New York wine. They come from the Three Brothers Winery. And this is a special line of wine that they did specifically to celebrate women. Oh, I love that. Which is, just first of all, fucking amazing. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and second of all, their wine is usually absolutely delicious. I've been to this winery and just like the ground, like the grounds are beautiful. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've tried... Um, that bone spirit bone that we spirit. drank a very long time ago Th- at the it, beginning um there they actually have multiple different wineries like on the on property there. They, they're literally called like three brothers estates and so like there's all these different places and that's one of them is actually um and i can't remember the name of that specific portion of the winery it's got its own name what the bone spirit one yeah and i wish i could remember it's something funky but it, they've it's, got cool wine bottles. But um, just look up Three Brothers Estates. It'll take you to yeah, all of their... Yeah, they have an Instagram and they, have, um, they um, have a Facebook page and stuff. But the one we are drinking today is called Scandalicious. I, that's why I liked it. <laughs> I liked the name. Yeah, I was going to say, this, the, the, bottom, the bottle is really cool. And this is not your stereotypical wine. Um, it is a blend of Cayuga White, Niagara, and Raspberry. Yeah. So this is a raspberry wine, which you know Maisie and I are a sucker for. I'm a huge fucking fan. <laughs> we saw raspberry wine and we were like, <gasps> I was we like, have to. okay, this lady has like all of these um beautiful flowers in her hair and it's called Scandalicious, but who fucking cares? I bought a uh, wine called Confetti last year, so we're gonna do it. Exactly. <laughs> we're gonna try whatever. <laughs> But it's scandalicious. It kind of fits. We I liked like it. it. Yeah, we're scandali- scandalicious. But I am going to read. There's just a little excerpt about this line of wine specifically <gasps> that um, is on their website. So this is interesting. Okay. It says, our Women of Distinction wine series is inspired by influential women of past and present. Like Rosa Parks' ferocity, Frida Kahlo's eccentric- ex- wow, eccentricity. Amelia Earhart's lust to explore and Elizabeth Blackwell's audacity. We celebrate the daring characteristics of the women who came before us. Show us how you dare to bear. Which label best describes your personality? And, and it like talks about like they, they're all their different ones. Um, but if you want to look them up, I highly suggest it. Well, we got another bottle and we're keeping that one. Yes. The other one is really, really cool. And I love that. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. I just love it. It's so pretty. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the, the, this label is pretty too, but the other one is like kind of spooky. The other, I say the other one's got our spooky. Got our spook. <laughs> All right. All right. Cheers. Let's do this. Whoa. Oh, wow. That tastes like grape juice. That's candy. It's fucking dangerous. Oh, dear God. 
god i'm sorry my boyfriend's in the kitchen downstairs i don't think they can hear that yeah i know but there's just pans clanging in the background i was apologizing more to you <laughs> oh, i'll just go buy new pans <laughs> i need new kitchen stuff anyway mm, I, I like it there's no alcohol in this i feel like i just took like three really big sips like real they're not sips they're like gulps it literally tastes like grape 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 juice wiggle 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 sorry I did that during our sound check and I made Nicole laugh really hard so I brought it back no okay so what would you give it mouth feels I'm gonna give it a five yeah I like it I'm gonna give it a five thank you I really like it wow 10 out of 10 thank you three brothers winery this is they always do a good job. Yeah. This is very unique and really good. I like it a lot. I've had a lot of blends like this at New York wineries. Mm-hmm. And they're always really good. I see the upstate New York. That's the one thing that you find a lot is that there's always at least one or two wines at almost every winery that is not made like solely with grapes because it's upstate New York and you can't grow grapes year round. Yeah. So they find other ways to make wine. <laughs> Well, those were, well, the raspberry wasn't, but like the Catawba and the Niagara, they're both grapes. Mm -hmm. And then they do the ice wine over there too. Yes, they do. And that stuff's fucking awesome. Oh my God. It's so expensive. (laughs) It's so expensive. You get like a tiny, tiny little fucking bottle for like $30. I can't remember the name of the winery we stopped at, but they had some there. And I remember seeing the small bottles and being like, what in God's green earth is that? It was like 50 bucks mm-hmm. for like what is half the size of a normal bottle and of when, wine. And when you do it in a tasting, like if you go to a tasting and they offer it at the tasting, you always have to pay like $3. Yeah, more. there was, I remember there was like an extra tiny, fee. tiny, tiny, little bit. You yeah. don't get a lot. I don't think I tried it if I remember correctly. I think I, I skipped it because it was, it was like another extra five or six bucks yeah. to just get a tasting of it. Because ice wine guys is when um they pick the grapes when they're basically almost frozen Mm -hmm. and so they've retained a lot of like the sugar it's just a different taste it's a little syrupy yeah like it's a little thick yeah don't you feel um but it's really sweet yes like a dessert wine oh yeah basically it's not like something i don't know i wouldn't just like drink i wouldn't down a bottle of fucking (laughs) ice wine i'd like sip that stuff like a cordial i was gonna say that'd be something i would drink with like my dessert i'd have a little tiny bit of it and then i'd be good no i'm a cop I'm a, like, I'm a dessert coffee person. I know you are. I love it. <laughs> Give me some Baileys. Do you drink Baileys? Do you drink Baileys from a shoe? <laughs> ever drunk Baileys from a shoe? <laughs> Could, gone, do you love me? Have you ever gone to a club where people wee on each other? <laughs> <laughs> Could you love me? Could you learn to love me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Please tell me someone you've seen, Old Greg. Listen, if you haven't seen Old Greg, just freaking go on YouTube and, go- and just Google s- Old Greg. Search Old Greg and have the time of your life. Oh, okay? my God. What the fuck? And he draw- makes him all the drawings. I will never forget. I met a kid freshman year of college, and he was like, you've never seen Old Greg? <laughs> and it was like... One of the first things I had like just met him. It was like the beginning of freshman year. It was like the third time I'd hung out with this kid. And he's like, here's old Greg. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, so this is, this is who you are. Got it. <laughs> my sister loves old Greg. I fucking love old Greg. <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to think of my favorite. <laughs> I think I've talked about it on here before. My favorite, like 
those videos from like back in like the 2000s when I was really young. One of them was called and pistachio pudding makes me sick. And it was about this guy. He was just going through the, the months and he was just like, um, there's this whole thing about Sauron. When he failed at the ring with the rings, he moved on to spoons. I can like do the whole thing. Oh my God. Like, and there's like a slinky and he got like, he's trying to figure out the message to life. And he goes, like i was it lobster no streblo streblo it's crazy <laughs> it's so weird but i remember that video very very fondly and the ends of the world the end of the world well then go take a nap <laughs> then fire the missiles that was a good one. Oh, and the muffins one. Oh my god that one and shoes 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 Okay, but do you, okay, I was These in, are $300. I was in, I, I want to say it was fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade, when everybody found fucking banana phone, where it's literally just like that tiny, like 2D banana with feet that dances. <laughs> and it's like, ring, yeah. ring, 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 banana phone, <laughs> that one. And when we used to have indoor recess, there's always at least three or four computers in the classroom and they would put them on at the same time and blast them full volume. At recess? At recess. Shit. Kids were shitheads in my school. Dedicated. Dedicated. Oh my God. It was great. It was. <laughs> no, that. nobody understands because YouTube is so different today. Everybody's like, I'm YouTube famous. And I'm like, bitch, I grew up in an era where YouTube didn't have ads. The videos could only be 10 minutes long. Yeah. And it was just Filled with people's mind junk. Like, that's what I call it is mind junk. Yeah, yeah. Like, what the fuck is shoes? Like, what even is that? That is, the, if you don't know what I'm talking about. These shoes are 300 fucking dollars. <laughs> Let's get them. Let's get some shoes. <laughs> well, fuck you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's such a good one. Yes. And the muffins when he's like, um, foia. <laughs> Blood muffin. <laughs> and he goes, bits of glass muffin. <laughs> now if, that we have been on a tangent on YouTube. If you don't know any of these, y'all need to hop on YouTube and educate yourself. You're probably so young. I'm so sorry uh, I've confused you with my elder way. It makes my heart hurt if you don't know those. <laughs> I know. Those were literally to the point like we used to run around singing the fucking shoes song. Yeah. Like if you didn't know it, it was weird. <laughs> You're weird. How do you you don't know those? shoes. Do you not know shoes? <laughs> God. <laughs> Even my mom knows shoes. Oh my God. Mama V knows shoes. Oh. She loves shoes. Now oh. I made, my to the point, my, made myself laugh to the point where I have tears in my eyes. You're Macy. Good. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Would you like to continue us on our way of part two? Part two of Alaska Triangle. So I want you all to know I've done a lot fucking work for this <laughs> um this entire episode is 20 what did i say 22 pages i think i texted you yes both parts it's te- it, both parts together is it's technically 21 and a half because mm-hmm. the last bit is my sources but i had 11 pages of notes for the first episode and i have 10 and a half for today and there's still more <laughs> but this is it this ain't even everything <laughs> this ain't even everything but this is it for now I'm telling you right now. But it's really cool. If you're really interested in it, like I said, I really recommend the Alaska Triangle show on Discovery Plus. I used it for my notes. Really informative. Super cool. So, like, you can literally 
just fill your brain with Alaska Triangle knowledge if you really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a little blurb from the last episode just to reiterate where the triangle is, stuff like that. Um, the whole entire, and I think I said this wrong the last time, so addendum. The entire, like, size of Alaska has a wilderness that is twice the size of Texas. I think I said that the triangle was a wilderness twice the size of Texas, but it's like the wilderness in the state of Alaska <laughs> is twice the size of Texas. Gotcha. Because Alaska is a big state. So I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> um, there's also 33,000 miles of coastline around the state. So like a lot of places have to be got gotten to by boat. Mm-hmm. Um, the area is covered with dense forests, mountains, massive glaciers, hidden caves, crevices, wild animal animals, unforgiving weather avalanches and winters that blanket the state in snow and ice for long periods of time. Sounds um, miserable. There's also falling ice. So that's scary. Um, and more than half of the designated federal wilderness that is like, you know, the federal government is like, this is for federal use. Yeah. Um, that, well, I guess it's like, it's like a state park or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that federal wilderness is all within this state. <laughs> like more than half of it. So <laughs> there's a lot of just Alaska in general that has not been explored. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this area that's covered in the triangle is very unpopulated very hard to get to it has people it's still like the greatest last frontier yeah it's still like i don't know why we haven't explored it <laughs> like i don't get it it's like we, they just stopped they were like now nah, we're good it's <laughs> <laughs> like, like do you know how much is out there there's so much out there like i mean maybe it's good because it's untouched like by society i guess that is true that's pretty cool probably a lot of it is extremely uninhabitable and probably extremely dangerous and dangerous because there's animals and stuff so anyway it's at the bottom of the ocean yeah just maybe stay away from it Um, (laughs) and also in this area there are three million lakes and three thousand rivers again most of which are unexplored god (laughs) um the triangle goes through four of the state's regions um it connects anchorage which is kind of in the center of the state to juneau and the Yucatan, which is like over towards um, the bottom of the state, towards Canada, mm-hmm. um, which is southeast Alaska, and the Barrow, which is the northern part of Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, this triangle covers southeastern wilderness, interior tundra, and the northern Arctic mountain ranges. Um, there are various stories of unexplained activity in this area, alien abductions paranormal activity strange beasts um vanishing people vanishing airplanes there's like another vanishing ship there's all sorts of weird vanishings um and since 1988 more than 16,000 people have disappeared in this area Mm -hmm. and that's two to three times the amount of the people that go missing at the bermuda triangle wow um so 500 to 2,000 people go missing every year in Alaska. Um, 3,000 were reported missing in 2007. Um, and 250 rescue missions were sent out to find those people that same year. That's absurd. Um, the, the missing persons rate here is twice the national average. Um, and this affects airplane passengers, hikers, locals, tourists, hunters. Like, it really 
can be anybody. Yeah. Um. So basically, one, sorry, basically four in every 1,000 people go missing in Alaska every year. Alaska's a scary place. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, Something interesting about the area, too. And guys, I do a, a much like deeper talk about this kind of stuff in the first ep- first episode of this, the mm-hmm. first part. So if you want to hear a little bit more, this is kind of the condensed version. I'm going through it quickly. <laughs> um, something interesting about this area, too, is that um, there's been a lot of magnetic energy um, reported in this area that have been found by electronic readings. Um, compasses have been like... It when registered up to 30 degrees off or more. Oh my God, that's bad. Um, <laughs> and rescue crews who have gone in um, have reported experiencing auditory hallucinations, disorientation, lightheadedness, and mood swings because of this electromagnetic energy. No, thank you. Um, so the area is, um, is pretty much like a beacon, like a hot spot. It's just like all this untouched land with all these weird creatures that could possibly live there. <laughs> and uh is really scary never never <laughs> I going i really want to go to alaska <laughs> it just makes me want to go more because <laughs> there's this oh we'll talk about this one place that i'm really excited to tell you about um because that you can go there i want to go smiles <laughs> smiles creepily in the corner okay um the first thing we're going to talk about and i'm sorry that i didn't cover this in the first part i just got like so roped into like big butt <laughs> and Loch Ness <laughs> and like the Loch Ness monster that I didn't even like this is like the case that basically makes this region in Alaska like famous like this is why if you know about the Alaska Triangle like you know about the Alaska Triangle yeah which is in a lot of people but <laughs> but if you know about this <laughs> if you um, know you know and that you is know? um you know that <laughs> is <laughs> And what I'm talking about is the disappearance of um, Congressman Hale Boggs. Um, Hale Boggs was a Louisiana Democrat. He was first elected in 1940 at age 26. Wow. He was the youngest member of Congress at the time. He was not reelected in 1942 and joined the Navy and served throughout World War II. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Um, and was reelected in 1946. And then was reelected 13 more times. Wow. Um, and he was the youngest member of the Warren Commission, which was the group that was invest- um, that was assigned to investigate the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Oh, whoa. Okay. Um, in an interview with Face the Nation in 1966, Boggs stated that um, he completely agreed with the commission's findings that Har- uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was the sole shooter. But there was this persisting rumor that he did not agree with the commission's findings um, and wanted to reopen the investigation. Oh. Apparently it sounded like he was pretty vocal about this, if this is true. Yeah. So on July 23rd of 1970 at 11.30 p.m., a Lincoln Continental actually drove Boggs' car off the road in D.C., he chased after it and wrote down the license plate number and called the police. Oh, good for him. <laughs> the Metropolitan Police, who would have handled the, the case like the case at that point, yeah. ha, um, state they have no relevant records in regards to this complaint. What? Yeah. Um, and in April of 1971, Boggs claimed that the FBI was tapping his phones and stated that several other reps um, had claimed that their phones were also being tapped. Um, Boggs 
said that he knew why they were doing this and said they he knew what they planned to do with the information they gained but he would refuse to say what the information was um and he said he would release all details to the public when his lawyers had finished their own investigation he also called for the immediate resignation of j edgar hoover who was the director of the FBI at the time and was the FBI director until he died of a sudden heart attack until 1972. Uh-huh. Hold oh, fuck. Okay. So <laughs> on... So there's a lot of stuff with Hale Boggs that could suggest a conspiracy. Yeah. Just hint, hint, nudge, hint, 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 nudge, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Wink, 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 wink. But there's more. So if you believe, if you can believe it. So let's just, let's just dive in. So on Sunday, October 15th of 1972, uh, Hale Boggs had a speaking engagement in Anchorage, Alaska. Mm -hmm. Um, And on October 16th of 1972, um, Hale Boggs, who was 58 at the time, um, Congressman Nicholas, I don't know how to say his name, Begike, it's B-E-G-I-C-H. They called him Nick. Nick Begike, he was 40. He was a... um, a newly elected, they call him a freshman congressman, mm-hmm. um, and an aide from Begike's office named Russell Brown, who was 37. They were all slated to get on a plane on October 16th and fly to another. It, it's, it's like it was like just like a basically like a ra- rallying event. Like I'm not even sure. Like they were just talking throughout Alaska. Okay, gotcha. The two of them, these two congressmen. Um, Boggs really wanted to win Begike's favor. Because he had opposed him very strongly when he came up for re-election. Mm-hmm. So they were basically taking this 48-hour, they called it a barnstorm trip, which is like touring rural districts. It says like giving theatrical performances, but I think it was like really like going to these rural communities and basically asking them to like vote. And so Hale Boggs was coming there to support gotcha. the guy, hoping that he would in turn I gotcha. gain some loyalty. That makes sense. Um, so they boarded a small charter plane. It was a twin engine, twin engine Cessna 310 from Anchorage to Juneau. Um, and it was operated by Pan-Alaska Airwaves. Their pilot was, um, Don Johns. Uh. (laughs) He was 38, um, and he was the chief pilot for Pan-Alaska Airways. He was a military veteran with 17,000 hours of flight experience. So he was like very used to the conditions yeah and flying in alaska and was just used to like flying under pressure um they left approximately 9 a.m and the flight was supposed to take three and a half hours give or take Mm -hmm. um and the aircraft was supplied with six hours worth of fuel so even if they ran off course for a little while they should have been able to get to their destination in time yeah um there was marginal weather forecasted. And when I looked up what that meant, it basically means that there are like chances of thunderstorms and stuff. But in terms of Alaska, that meant 1.5 miles of um, visibility with fog. So like all they could see was one and a half miles in front of them. Oof. Icy rain and turbulent winds because it is so fucking cold. Oh, God. So they, like I said, they departed at 9 a.m. and vanished without a trace. Oh, <laughs> the uh, government obviously was like, what the fuck? And immediately sent out 
search parties. Yeah. Um, the search involved 40 military aircraft and 50 civilian planes. Wow. They covered 325,000 square miles and searched for approximately 3,600 hours. Jeez. Um, months before the crash, an Alaska law had been passed that required small commercial planes to be equipped with an emergency locator transmitter. Mm-hmm. Um, that meant, like, if it crashed, um, a signal would have would have went out had it crashed. Yeah. Um, that might not have been the case had it crashed in water. Oh. Um, but no signal was ever received, and it was determined that there was no transmitter aboard the plane. Oh. Um. That's not good. After the crash, <laughs> the um. U.S. Coast Guard Station in Long Beach, California, received a call from an anonymous tipster who stated he knew where the plane had crashed. The tipster claimed he had access to experimental electronic equipment and provided details, um, de- sorry, detailed directions to the crash site. Um, the FBI, um, I guess, found this tip credible and stated in FBI documents that, quote, the source of the aforementioned information is reliable. Agents who interviewed the man reported he appeared rational, extremely intelligent, but somewhat strange. And that is from the medium.com. That was a quote from them. Um, it's unclear whether or not these coordinate these coordinates were like ever investigated. Um, but there were also reports from several several Northern California independent ham radios, um, ham ham radio operators, which are um, like they're like amateur radio operator operators. This is from Wikipedia. Um, a ham radio operator uses um, radio free a radio frequency spectrum for purposes of non commercial exchange of messages, wireless experimentation, self training, private recreation, radio sport contesting, and emergency communication. So it's like not like a radio station. It's like yeah. somebody using it for personal, you know, use. Gotcha. Um, and they heard things within days and, and hours of the disappearance um, that sounded like someone was in a wreckage and there were survivors. Oh, no. Um, but the location of origin for these transmissions could never be pinpointed. There were also reports that the day after the crash, a search plane picked up a signal for 40 minutes, just a short me- a short distance from Juneau, um, where the crash was believed to be. Um, there was another signal, though, that was heard 150 miles northeast of Anchorage, and search planes were never able to pinpoint the source of either of those signals. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. How? Well, remember, this is the 70s. Oh, I know. Stuff's different. Uh-huh. Um, the search was eventually called off 39 days after 39 days on November 24th of 1972. Um, there was no sign of the wreckage or survivors. Um, both, Scary. Yeah. Both um, Boggs and Begrick were, um, I hope that's his name, I'm sorry, were reelected to the House of Representatives in November, like even though they were there. Um but all four men were declared dead on December 29th of 1972, and the House finally recognized this on January 3rd of 1973 and allowed for a special election. Day before my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, Hale Boggs' widow, Lindy, replaced Boggs in Congress and served eight more terms until 1991. Wow. Oh, good for her. And um, <laughs> Republican Don, Don Young from Alaska was elected to the House of Representatives in a special election, um, and he had originally lost 
to Big Ike. So, wow, he got to be on that. Sad. Yeah. Um, there's an author, uh, or he's a writer. I'm not really sure. I was kind of confused about what exactly he was. <laughs> but there was a gentleman named Jonathan um, Walzak. He um be- he believes that he's done a lot of research on this. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't tell if he was like like a reporter or like what he was exactly. Yeah. Um. He believes that the plane was sabotaged and believes that the target was actually Big Geik and not Boggs. Really. Um. The consensus is that the plane most likely crashed between Portage Pass and Johnston Point about an hour into the flight, into the Prince William Sound, mm-hmm. which is like a lake or something and and crashed in the water and sunk wow that's what they think happened um the weather might have caused the plane to be covered with ice which would have made them just you know that's just nothing you can do about that you know what blows my mind though Hmm. is that this is something that could still come back like hundreds of years from now they could still find this crash Yep. Like, think about all the things that we go out into the ocean. We we find freaking boat wreckages that happened in the 1700s. And, like, all it, we're still finding stuff like that. And it's like, could you imagine? Yeah. You it's know, weird. In the year's 2800, and all of a sudden they're finding this this plane crash, finally. Yeah. Like, that's that's insane. Yeah. Is that this stuff just sits there until somebody finds until it. Until somebody finds it. Yeah, yeah. If they ever do. So, like, the consensus is that it sunk to the bottom, and some people think this is the, because of the weather, but Walzak think it's beca- thinks it's because of a conspiracy to do with Big, Big Ike. Um, on March 4th of 1974, less than 17 months after the disappearance of the flight, Peggy Big Ike married Jerry Pax pa- Paisley, a killer and bomber connected to the mafia. Are you serious? She had known connections with Peter Livacoli Sr. and Joe Bonanno Sr. Bonanno. Bonanno. It's B-O-N-A-N-N-O. So there you go. Ha! They divorced after two years. And while in prison in 1994 for gunning down a man in Tucson, Paisley spoke with investigators from the Anchorage Police and Alaska State Troopers and the Arizona Department of Public Safety and provided details for several unsolved murders. Oh, no. He he claimed that in 1972, he transported a bomb to Alaska. At his trial, he told the jury that he wanted to come clean about several other murders, including the murder of his ex-wife's first husband, Nick Begeik. What? He claimed that in 1972, uh, Bonanno, I don't don't know how to say that, one of the mafia dudes... (laughs) His guy with the name that sounds like banana. But yeah, he had a lieutenant and he the lieutenant handed him a locked briefcase while he was in Arizona. He was instructed to take the briefcase to Anchorage and hand the briefcase briefcase off to two other mafia members. Um, He was told that something big would happen and the plane crashed very soon afterwards. Um. He then moved to Anchorage and began seeing Peggy Begeik, who he had met in Arizona through mutual friends, and dated her while in Arizona as well. Um, Peggy Paisley and one of the men who had taken the briefcase, um, like the mafia guys, obtained co-ownership of a bar together. And while uh, the the other mafia guy and, and um, Paisley were like chilling fishing someday 
the mafia guy got drunk and confessed that there was a high-tech bomb in the briefcase and he had placed it in the airplane before it took off on October 15th. Oh, no. Oh, October 16th. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Hot damn. The FBI was contacted and sent agents to interview Paisley in 1995. And Anchorage Police Sergeant Mike Grimes, who's retired now, Mm -hmm. he said that he contacted the FBI in Anchorage following his interview with Paisley. And he didn't hear from the representative for several weeks. And when he contacted her again, she insisted they meet, but not at her office. What? Um, the agent then told Grimes that her boss did call FBI Q and they said, you will do nothing there. You will send everything you have to us. That is a direct quote from medium.com. Um, Paisley agreed. The, so the guy who said that he gave the bomb, mm-hmm. he agreed to take a polygraph. But it's unclear if the FBI ever administered it because they shut down the investigation really quick. What? And Paisley died in prison at the age of 69 in 2010. And no one knows for sure if he was telling the truth. And that is the mysterious disappearance of Congressman Hale Boggs and Congressman Mick McGike. Holy shit. Weird, right? That's really weird. So there's like two conspiracies. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a conspiracy with John F. Kennedy. Yeah, da, 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 okay. Like, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracies with him. And then I saw this other one and I was like, shit, but I couldn't find anywhere why they would have. I mean, other than it, that it was her. Yeah. Husband. I mean, I did. I couldn't find maybe anything really about why he would have been targeted. But it seems like maybe he was. Yeah. Because it seems like maybe she was friends with the mafia people. That's crazy. Weird, right? That's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next thing we're going to talk about. And guys, oh my God, I feel so terrible. I've said a lot of things on this segment really, really wrong. <laughs> there are a lot of <laughs> words that I don't know how to say. And I just, I'm going to say sorry right now because I, I, I watched more of a documentary and somebody said the words and I was like, fuck. That's not what I said. I was so wrong. I'm sorry for my faux pas. I really am. I did not. That was not a saw of me. I'm very sorry. Um, the next very strange thing that can be potentially found in the Alaska tri- Triangle is called the Kushtaka. In in the first part, I called it a Kushtaka. It's a Kushtaka. I'm very sorry. And in the native Tlingit language, not Tlingit, <laughs> God, Macy, Tlingit, <laughs> to be fair, that one is spelled nothing like that. I was going to say, that one is a very I would have never guessed word. that. So, like, I'm really sorry, just in advance. I had to write it phonetically to remember Kushtaka. I see it. <laughs> Kushtaka. In um, the Clinket language means land otter man. So just some <laughs> otter facts. This says otter facts. All otter in. facts. They are believed to be one of the most intelligent non-human species on the planet. Seriously? There is evidence that they have endured for more than 30 million years. They have been known to create tools. And they are on every content, continent except Australia and Antarctica. 
I'm sorry, there's a ladybug flying above your head. I know, but it's a ladybug. It's not like it's a stink bug. That's true. It just scared me a little bit. Okay. Well, just <laughs> let me know if it hits my head. Will do. So, <laughs> just otters. They're cute. I love going to the zoo and seeing otters. They're, They're so, so cute. Anyway, the sea otter population in Alaska, Alaska was decimated during the 19th century. What? Alaska? I know. I changed it. I know. Alaska. <laughs> um, you didn't change it fast enough, though. I still giggled. I know. I know. I know. Um, the, the sea otter population was decimated during the 19th century because of the fur trade. And they ended up being reintroduced into the area in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And today there is a population of approxim- approximately 26,000 otters in Alaska. Wow. Um, the Clinket people, um, who are a Native American people that live in, or a Native people, sorry, that live in in Alaska, in the southeast of Alaska and in parts of Canada, they have history that goes back 10,000 years. This is an old, old tribe. <laughs> it's incredible. And tales of the Kushtaka span hundreds of years of, of their stories. Um, and it is one of the most terrifying creatures in Clinket folklore. Um, and the Clinket people do not even acknowledge its existence. Like it's a Voldemort thing. Then how do other people know about it? Somebody talked. Yeah, but not. But not. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, but you'll hear about why somebody talked later. Yeah. I have a story. Oh, okay. Um, so basically in the Clinket culture the kushtaka are like the boogeyman and they're very heavily demonized they are shape-shifting otters gross some stories say they can transform into any species of otter others say they can only transform into one um they look like man or, or look like a man they're the size of a man um but it's uh, but it's also possible that they can shape-shift into other animals could you imagine being like mom look at the mermaid in the water Oh, no, honey, that's just a kushtaka. <laughs> it's just a kushtaka. Um, <laughs> the cuteness of the otter is what makes them dangerous. Humans are drawn to their playfulness. They are cute. And their purpose is to trap their victim's soul and prevent them from reincarnating themselves and achieving, achieving eternal life. That's my purpose, too. <laughs> Gosh, stop demonizing the kushtaka. <laughs> Um, they, uh, they contend, condemn those they capture to spend etern- eternity wandering the frozen tundra, basically. Because part of the Clinket um, culture is that they believe in reincarnation. So Fancy. basically the Kushtika steals your soul and you can't reincarnate into other things. Oh, sad. Yeah. Um, Goddamn otters. They man... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they mainly prey on small children. And they kid. There are stories of them kidnapping human babies. Oh, fun! And all of the, they turn them into kushtkas. My favorite. Um, and they can appear in the form of relatives and friends to confuse their victims. They're shapeshifters, so they uh, com- they communicate apparently with whistling, um, with a three part pattern. It's low, high, low. Um, they have a half animal, half human brain, and they're very similar to a skinwalker. Okay, I heard, first of all, I heard that. 
but my brain was stuck on the whistling thing. Dude, I found like cryptid Wikipedia. Whoever designed that, thank you. First of all, but you said it's low, high, low. And my brain just immediately went to the Hunger Games when they do the whistle. That thing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's what my brain went to. But I was like, ew. No, I thought of it like, boo. That too. Low, high, low. <laughs> now you're just showing off. No. Um, <laughs> the only cure of not becoming a kushtaka is to be saved by a shaman. Um, oh, however, kushtaka are apparently afraid of dogs. Good to know. Fire. Uh, okay. Copper. And Odd. urine. Alright, so listen, this is how it's going to go. Just a pee circle. <laughs> I'm going to pee like in a, a circle. Like a salt circle. I'm going to pee in a circle and then somebody's going to light it on fire. We'll make this work. And have a dog barking in the corner. <laughs> because dog barking forces the Kushtako to reveal itself. Because, friends, they can appear and disappear at will. What if I bark like a dog? Does that work? Or does rough, I, rough, rough. Does it have to be? <laughs> I just had this mental image of like somebody like running in a circle around me peeing while I bark like a dog at the forest around me trying to get an invisible creature. All I can think of is Tyler at the at the paint place. Oh my God. When you made him do, when you had him do that. Um... Oh no, no, no. I did not have him do anything. He wanted that. <laughs> He took a he took a boomerang of himself with like the neon paint and it made him look like he was peeing on the wall. He's a child. I love him. It's great. Um, it is a work of art. I, <laughs> Kushtaka also said um to emit uh some sort of electromagnetic frequency as well. Like you can like take out like a one of those things like ghost hunters use. Yeah. And supposedly get readings out there, and that's supposed to be the Kushtaka. Yeah. Um, and they also prey on your primal fears. So there is a story of this woman who got attacked by a Kushtaka, but it had transformed itself into some type of a bird instead of a otter. What's that creature in Harry Potter that does that? I don't know. Remember they have the Defense Against the Dark Arts class, and they have that weird thing that transforms into your worst fear? Oh, I know what it is. Isn't this with a bee? Bogart? Yeah. That My thing. mom is so happy right now. I was going to say, I know. I was like, I know this name and I cannot think of it. It's Mama Bogart. Mama B is a big Harry Potter fan. Yes. O'Connor Orchid Estates Apartments. Located in the center of the small town of Reading, Ohio. It is widely regarded as the world's most haunted location. Join world-renowned paranormal investigators Abigail Reynolds and Michael Colby as they immerse themselves into every aspect of life in this building and expose the truth of its horrific history. Join us for My Creepy Haunted Life. Jack Billings presents... 
Haunted Apartment Complex, starring me, <laughs> Jack Billings, obviously. Damn it. How did you even get in here, Jack? Let's get spooky, crew. <sighs> Kushtaka are uh, known to appear out of nowhere, often swooping in on their victims. They live between the water and the land, and also between the physical and the spiritual worlds, hence the being able to appear and disappear at will. Um, and the legend says that uh, the Kushtaka's powers come from its habitat, which is deep within the triangle. Um, so I'm going to talk about like a couple of like like what you'll hear in a typical legend. Um, a couple of these are direct quotes from onlyinyourstate.com because they could explain it better than I could ever try. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I can't, yep. Okay, so this is from onlyinyourstate.com. This is a quote. As you're walking through your village or hunting in woods or fishing in the sea, a man or group of men approach you. These men look just like your kinsmen and you don't have a clue that they're really the Kushtaka. In some cases, these malevolent creatures appear to you when you're lost or injured and claim they intend to rescue you. However, they lead you to deeper into the wilderness and either tear you into pieces or turn you into Kushtika, which prevents your soul from being able to reincarnate. I don't know which I would prefer. That's really scary. I feel like I'd prefer just torn to pieces. Here's another way you can see a Kushtika in a typical legend. Oh, God. It's a friendly and helpful spirit, often saving those who are lost from death and freezing by just, and this is a quote again from only in your state, by distracting them with curio with curiosity, odd or like illusions of their family and friends as they transform their subject into fellow Kushtaka, thus allowing them to survive in the cold. So the, there are some versions of it where they'll turn you into a Kushtaka to save you. And then there are some versions where they literally want to tear you limb from limb. Like, Make up your mind, people. I was going to say that then I would be I'd be extra terrified because of that fact. I'd yeah, like, like, are you going to turn me into one? Are you about to, are, so I don't die? Are you trying to help me here? <laughs> do you know something I don't? Or like, do you, do you just want to eat me? Like, do you want to play with me like a two toy? Or are you saving? I, either way, I don't want to be one of these things. Just kill me. There are other <laughs> legends that say the Kushtaka imitate the screams of a woman or the cries of a baby Ew. to lure victims into the river, into Ew. a river or a body of water. Goodbye. And once the victim is in the body of water, the Kushtaka will kill them and tear them to shreds or turn them into another Kushtaka. So, like, these are the various types of legends you'll hear in the Clinket lore. Yeah. And they're very much a part of their lore. Um, Alaskan mothers often tell this story to children to keep them from wandering too close to the ocean. I mean... That the Kushtaka will grab you. It's uh, questionable. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is from wor word, World... World... Can't talk. WorldAnvil.com. One particular story in Wapamasquin oral tradition. Wow. Wapamasquin. Uh, I just did that. I say I'm proud of you. You said it on the first try. <laughs> Um, tells of a Kushtika who plucked a young girl from the undercurrent of a deadly river and led her home safely to her parents in the cover of night. A vaguely similar story from Quayexi, 
Boom. However, has a slightly older woman who was prompt, promptly shredded to bits and devoured after being lured into a riverbed by a nearby Kushtika mimicking a baby's cry. See, this is why when you are alone and you hear people screaming or you hear things crying, just go in the other direction. <laughs> Shit's going to kill you. Shit is going to kill fucked. you. <laughs> you did. Don't follow that. <laughs> There's also a very famous legend that is not a part of the um, Clinket lore. It is called the Legend of Thomas Bay. A prospector known as Charlie, um, and that's really the only name they give him, um, knew an elderly Clinket man who um, had a large piece of quartz flecked with gold, which is how they mined gold in Alaska. It was running through the veins of these quartz. Oh, deposits. okay. Um, he followed the man around a couple of times looking for similar rocks. And um, one day, um, the Clinket man tells him of a large deposit over by Thomas Bay. And Charlie heads out into the wilderness to find his fortune. No. Um, Don't do it. Thomas Bay is revered by the native people for its ir- evil spirits. Of course. <laughs> And there was a deadly landslide that wiped out an entire Clinket settlement in nineteen in seventeen fifty. Ooh. And it killed five hundred people that day. Ooh, not good. Um, so the Clinket people don't want anything to do with that bay. And they even call it Devil's Country. Oh, fair. Um, so Charlie sets up camp alone there. <laughs> uh, smart, real smart. And it immediately <laughs> starts raining and rains for a full week. Eventually it stops and uh the and Charlie follows the instructions that the Clinket man gave him to this gold deposit he told him about. Um, at some point, he is scouting for gold and exposes a huge ledge full of this quartz with gold flecks in it. <laughs> and he goes to market and find more. When he turns around, he sees a bunch of creatures shrieking who start to come after him and he flees the bay. So now I have Alaska for real has like a word for word what he told someone oh i'm going to read it for you so this is from alaska for real.com this, this is, is his not account. this is his account of what happened oh my god the, the prospector named charlie had canoed alone into canoed alone into the bay of death he'd found gold rich quartz in thomas bay but he'd oh hang on the prospector named charlie said he had canoed alone into the bay of death he said he'd found gold-rich quartz in Thomas Bay, but he'd never prospect it. And then he told him why. Charlie gave them a story of his finding the quartz and then said, I thought I would climb to the ridge directly over the ledge and get my landmarks. Right there, fellows, I got the scare of my life. I hope to God I never see or go through the likes of it again. Swarming up the ridge toward me from the, the lake were the most hideous creatures. I couldn't call them anything but devils, as they were neither na- man, they were neither men nor monkeys, yet looked like both. Ah. They were entirely sexless, their bodies covered with long, coarse hair, except for the scabs and running sores that had replaced it. What? Ew. Each one seemed to be reaching out for me and striving to be the first to get at me. The air was full of their cries and the stench from their sores and bodies made me faint. 
I forgot my broken gun and tried to use it on the first ones. Then I threw it at them and turned and ran. God, how I did run. I could feel their hot breath on my back. Their claw-like fingers scraped my back. The smell from their steaming, stinking bodies was making me sick. While the noises they made, yelling, screaming, and breathing drove me mad. Reason left me. How I reached the canoe is a mystery to me. When I came to, it was night, and I was lying in the bottom of my canoe, drifting between Thomas Bay and Sequoia Island, cold, hungry, and crazy for a drink of water. You no doubt think I am crazy for lying or lying. Never let me hear the name Thomas Bay again, and for God's sake, help me get away tomorrow on that boat. Fuck that. Uh, there's another recent story that I got off of um, the Alaska Triangle uh, do- documentary series on mm-hmm. Discovery Plus. Um, there was a woman named Diana Lynn Tucker. She was originally from Texas, and she and her husband had rented a summer home in Alaska, and they invited some friends up to stay with them in July of 2007. Diana said that she and her friend decided to go on a walk. And they found a pretty woody path that like didn't that looked less traveled than the others. Yeah. And Diana went in, but didn't realize and realize she had gone in alone. She said that all of a sudden everything went silent and a bunch of blackbirds started landing and flying everywhere. Um, she said she couldn't speak or move. And the, then the forest became like dark with all of these birds. Nope. And all of a sudden, she saw a large bird-like man creature Ah. and fell. The birds came at her and, like, were pecking at her and whatever. Um, And she'd always been afraid of birds because she saw that movie, The Birds, with her brothers. And the Kushtika shifted into one because it knew her fears. Um, She managed to escape somehow and got back to her friend who was on the main trail. And sometime later, a Native American, el- like, elderly woman asked Diana if she had been touched by the Kushtika. Hmm. Um, she didn't know this woman. So she was like, uh, what? Um, this woman told Diana that she had a very strong soul because she had escaped. And there was a larger purpose for her life. But she still has, like, scars uh. from this encounter. So that's weird. That's really fucking weird. So... Here you go, friends. There's the Kushtika. <laughs> Another fucking weird thing you can find in this place. Hi. And this is a pretty cool place. Um, I couldn't find a lot of spooky details about this one, but it seems pretty cool. And it seems like a lot of the stories surrounding this place are like really known to the locals. Okay. They only did half an episode on this. Lame. On Alaska Triangle. I thought it was a full episode and it wasn't. How dare they? Um, but this is the Independence Mine. Oh, okay. Which is 68 miles from Anchorage. Um, and apparently it is one of the most haunted places in the Alaska Triangle. Is this the place you can go to? Yeah. Hey! Hey! <laughs> um, it's in Hatcher's Pass in the Talkeetna the Mountains. <laughs> um, and it was the, the second largest and most productive hard rock gold mine in south central Alaska at one point. Um, it was started in 1906 by Robert Lee Hatcher, who the pass is named after. Um, and he staked the first load claim. So the first load claim is um, 
from what I understand about mining, my very limited knowledge, um, it's not a tunnel. It's literally like pickaxing like the ground. Oh, okay. And like, you know, like finding a quartz rock and starting there. Like he literally just took his shovel and was in his pickaxe and was like, here you go. We're yeah. going to start right now. And I also think doing it in the like the water. Mm-hmm. You've ever seen that? It's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like These, a like tunnel. The, the sifters. Yeah, it's not yeah. a tunnel at that point. Um, he was rabbit hunting with his dog um, when a shot hit the side of a rock ledge and it like revealed all of this gold quartz. And he was like, fuck yeah! I would have shit my pants. Um, <laughs> and the first tunnel mine opened officially in 1908 on the east slope of the mountain. The, um, the mine was very, very active between on and off. Yeah. Between 1938 and 1951, that was when it was like at its peak production. But it was forced to close before World War II because they deemed it, like, non-essential. Um, <clears throat> originally, there were two separate mines, um, the Alaska Free Gold Mine and the Skyscraper Mountain and Independence Mine on Granite Mountain. The two were combined later in 1938 under the Alaska Pacific Consolidated Mining Company. Fancy. Um, at its peak in 1941, the mine had around 204 employees and 22 families living on the wow. complex. And had Ooh. blasted around 12 miles of tunnels. Dang. There was a school for the miners' children. Apparently, eight children went to school here. Um, and they mined 165,500 165, ounces of gold. Woohoo! Um, which is worth about $18 million. Holy shit. Miners would go in with picks and shovels um, into the uh, tunnels um, and pound on the rock walls. Tunnels would collapse. Rocks would fall. Many people met their death at this place. Yeah. As do many people who work in mines. Yes. Um, this place is open to visitors. Um, it was entered into the National Register of Historic Places in 1974. Um, the 271 acres became the Independence Mine State Historical Park in 1980. Mm-hmm. And it had been donated to the government in 1970. Um, there is a tour company that gives tours. Uh, it's called salmonberrytours.com. They're actually, oh, this was so cool. When I read this, I was like, hey, there's machinery that can be found on the site, including an original diesel engine and an, and an electric, uh, uh, and an, uh, and a general electric AC general generator that was manufactured in Schenectady, New York. Hey, if I could say what that thing was. (laughs) <laughs> general electric ac generator that's so cool isn't that neat um it was comprised of a powerhouse a mill complex and a tram um and those are all very he- heavily deteriorated because of the elements and mm-hmm. whatever um but there are several buildings that are pretty well preserved um the mess hall the bunkhouse and a few others the mine <laughs> the mine manager's house is now the visitor center it was built in 1939 for general manager um walter w stoll and his family it's the um only building right now um that has heat and electricity on the site um so that's the only place you can get warm <laughs> well <laughs> um there are two bunkhouses the so the second um the second bunkhouse is managed by Salmonberry Salmon Berry Tours. So, like, you can only go into the second bunkhouse if you pay to have a tour, but there is a self-guided tour there. Gotcha. Um, this uh, building has a gift shop and a small snack bar in it. And there Gotta is have a, snacks. 
there's another bunkhouse that was um that's the first bunkhouse it was built in 1934 and housed 54 men it was one of the best accommodations in the entire willow creek mining district it had heat at the time when it was built yeah it had heat running water and electricity wow. the first floor had a library a recreation Ooh. room and a and a room to dry wet clothes because it's alaska and it's you're trudging through snow yeah um <laughs> The, the assayer's <laughs> office is one of the buildings that is preserved. Um, the assay office was used to process gold gold amalgam. Um, this determined the gold content from the ore. Guys, I have no clue what any of this means. Um, the retorting process um, was completed here, and it separated the mercury f- in the rock from the gold by distillations. Fancy. Yeah. That's cool. There was another. There's another apartment house that... Um, housed 206 miners plus their families it was constructed in 1937 and was one of the first permanent buildings on the site um there's a gen- an engineering office and warehouse um the engineers used the office to track and map out the underground mining tunnels um and the school was on the second floor of this building there was a mine office and commissionary um this was the center of the mining operations payroll and purchasing was there um gold awaiting to ship was stored in the safe there um wow. and a small commissary and post office was operated out of this building and this all still stands these buildings some of these buildings yeah okay um the mill complex is what is most deteriorated gotcha. and you'll see some of the pictures that i post there are okay. some buildings that are flat out still up and they're like working the government is working to um to refurbish them okay um but the the the, the mill complex is pretty um pretty fucked yeah <laughs> and you can't go into the tunnels they won't let you in oh duh, yeah i don't blame them there um, <laughs> here let me put you into this highly dangerous place, probably going yes. to collapse if you poke the walls tunnel um there, <laughs> there's also a cookhouse and mess hall that was built in 1941 to due to growing employment coke house cookhouse you said cook okay got it not coke <laughs> i was I like I'm, i'll fucking what now um supervisors uh cookhouse supervisors and kitchen workers were housed on the second floor of that building yeah you're <laughs> my, my ass is like wow they're partying hard up there they're like we got fucking nothing else to do let's have a whole house for coke oh my god no cook cook <laughs> cook maybe i said coke but i tried to say cook. no my my ear balls did not hear that right um <laughs> and then there's the mill po- complex like i said these buildings are very heavily deteriorated due to heavy snowfall and you know just age and whatever mm-hmm. there was a pipe steel metal and electric shop that was built in 1938 in that area um and it supplied timber for all the tunnels mm-hmm. there was a powerhouse um built in 1937 that had several diesel generators running 24 hours a day that needed a thousand gallons of fuel to be able to run holy shit and there was an ore sorting process building um which sorted waste rock from the gold dang um they had a water tunnel built in 1941 to transport materials from like the top of the mountain down a water um yeah like a tunnel just with water that they drop shit in and it would take it yeah why didn't they just why did they have to make it a tunnel why didn't they just make it like a a slide it probably is partly a slide like in a bolt i mean if it's alaska maybe it would have frozen and they didn't put it even underground wouldn't it freeze i don't fucking know anyway questions <laughs> they originally uh th- this um tunnel was built to transport ore and materials it was a um it orig- uh 
they originally, sorry, they originally removed product through port and this is from travel the parks through the portals at the 900 foot level and transport it by aerial tram to the mill um but then they started using the water tunnel they also had a mine train which you can still see it is like still there that was used um in 1940 before the construction of the water tunnel um that was also used to move equipment and ore um there's lots of paranormal activity here apparently um in the buildings people hear footsteps um some employees at one point reported a clock ticking backwards that hadn't worked in years Uh. there was another report of like a guy who noticed cards on a table and like they spelled out help me what that's what they this is what they do in these stupid shows they like just gloss over that I'm like, excuse me. There's got to be more to that story. Please Can go we back. please elaborate here? But there's an episode <laughs> on this on the Alaska Triangle show if you're interested. Bilbo Baggins should go to the Alaska Triangle. Yeah, yes. <gasps> Can he take us? Take I me want, to the Alaska Triangle. I want to see Bilbo Baggins cold, shivering his ass off. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins in the middle. There's of- a demon. There's a demon. Yes, like oh my God. the middle of like tell him to go 10 here. feet of snow trying to point out ghosts and it's just like everything's white and covered in snow and he's like freaking the fuck out oh my god that would be hilarious uh, like I said, <laughs> like i said the tunnels are closed off to the public um but the sound of mining can be heard from the tunnels like pickaxe pickaxes and shovels oh, um no. people also have reported hearing the sound of dynamite blasts Ooh, that's, that's interesting. Scary. Um, there's lots of paranormal activity on t- on the top floor of the bunkhouse. There's also a lot of activity that plagues the surrounding area. Um, in the uh, episode of Alaska Triangle that I'm talking mm-hmm. about, um, there was a story from a woman who said she heard sounds coming from a nearby mine shaft while she was hiking because there are also trails and stuff in this area. Oh shit. Um, she thought someone was hurt and ventured in to a mine tunnel to help them and when she got further into the tunnel the sounds got like more and more intense and there was no one there and she was so scared that she just ran out why would you even follow it in the first place i don't know i'd be like you're haunted i'd be like um i know this is abandoned i'm gonna run away now (laughs) you're haunted bye that's what i would say um there's also a report from 2019 of a man that was living in a hut near the mine um that suddenly vanished he was living in a hut um, that was very in a very isolated valley that had like basically no road access. Um, and when the nearest town stopped receiving communications from him, they did a flyby of the of the cabin and couldn't find any trace of him. Um, and this was just over the hill from the mine. So that's interesting. Did he fall in the water tunnel? The water tunnel. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it um, sounds like a really terrifying version of a water slide. Of a water slide. <laughs> per gold. <laughs> um, if you guys want to watch something interesting, uh, there is a paranormal investigation that they do um, in this episode of Alaska Triangle. It's episode um, five, season two. They get some interesting stuff. I'm not going to explain and it And this all was here. on Amazon Prime, right? Discovery Plus. Sorry, Discovery Plus, right. Gotcha. So if you're interested in seeing what they, what this paranormal team digs up there, it's interesting. It's interesting. They got a lot of EVPs. It was hard for me to explain, but. Is it interesting? Good. It's interesting. Cool. Okay. <laughs> the last two things we're going to talk about before we we wrap up part. Duh. 
sorry. Are some <laughs> of the strange disappearances that have occurred in the Alaska Triangle? Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm gonna take a hot second here. I meant to ask you a question, but I was distracted by what you were saying. Cause how big is that area of the mine? Does it say like? Is it like of what? Like square square miles? It's 127 or two. It's 217 miles. Okay. I couldn't remember if you said it or not. And later on, I was thinking about it. And I was like, how big did you were listing all the buildings? And uh, I was like, I can't remember how big she said this was. 271 acres. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So it's the mine and then like all of this hiking. You can like hike. You can ski. Yeah. You can do all sorts well, of activities. And that's there. why like, because you were explaining, you're talking about like, all these trains and stuff. And I was like, I don't remember how big she said this place was. I well, did. it's kind of like when we went to, um, the rock quarry how it yeah. just like went on forever and ever and right, ever it's like that did. that was scary okay i'm sorry go ahead okay <laughs> so the last thing we're going to talk about is some of like the strange disappearances that have happened within the triangle we're only going to talk about two of them there are many um like i said there's the disappearance of hail boggs that's a pretty big one mm-hmm. um the disappearance of the people on the plane that i talked about in the first part of this um but these are two more recent ones within the 2000s here. Um, and they are just weird. Okay. Like, what the fuck? Bring on the weird. Um, so ready. The first is the disappearance <laughs> of Thomas Anthony Newsy. He was Newsies. a... Newsies. And I, Not the same. No, it wasn't close. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, he was a traveling nurse. He did not have a permanent address. He stayed in hotels while he was on assignments. But he knew the state really, really well because he traveled to different places all the time. And it's actually interesting. I had a a college friend who had a boyfriend that was a traveling nurse. And Mm -hmm. this is, like, why he did. Um, He was described by coworkers by – he was described by coworkers (laughs) as a dutiful worker. I don't even know what I was trying to say there. Um (laughs) And the only rent he really paid was for a storage unit he had in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, and in June of 2001, Newsy was staying at a Super 8 motel in on Minnesota Drive in Anchorage while on assignment in Bethel, Alaska, which is just a short flight away. Like, he had to take a hopper plane over there to get okay. there. Okay. Um, he was last seen by friends on June 15th of 2001. And he was reported missing on June 19th after he did not catch his flight to Bethel. Oh. Um, on June 18th, he was seen on surveillance footage at a gas station near the Super 8 where he was staying. Um, at 9.47, he purchased two lighters, a bag of chips, a soda, and, um, and a pack of cigarettes. Um, this was verified by a receipt that they found. His 1997... Jeep Cherokee was actually found 12 miles outside of Anchorage at the Alpenglow Ski Area in Chugach State Park. Whoa. Um, and his keys were still inside the vehicle. Oh, no. And it was actually reported as well that his bicycle was still in his storage unit. What? Um, a security guard reported that he had seen a man who was not newsy and a woman trying to break into Newsy's Jeep Cherokee at the gas station on June 15th. Don't touch my Jeep. That's um, my Jeep. So that was like three days before mm-hmm. he supposedly went missing. Or the last time he's seen on surveillance yeah. is the 18th. Um, this woman 
who was apparently trying to break into his Jeep Cherokee, is seen in the surveillance footage standing next to him at the gas station on June 18th. What? Um, she was thin and had dark hair. On June 18th, that same day that that surveillance footage was taken, uh-huh. a couple who lived across the street from the Super 8 saw a man and a woman successfully break in two Newsies Jeep Cherokee, and the man got in the Jeep and drove away. A housekeeper also reported, who worked for the Super 8, that on June 19th, she knocked on Newsy's door to do housekeeping, uh-huh. and a woman answered, and a man was laying on the floor behind her. When she returned later that day, she, she opened the door and saw the same man sitting on the bed, and he told her to leave. This man was described by hotel staff as tall and dark-skinned with rotting teeth. What? Ew, gross. Uh. Um, there were also reports that one of Newsy's friends had called the hotel room because they knew he was staying there. Um, and a man, who according to the friend was not Newsy, answered the phone. He passed the phone to a woman and told and the woman told him that Newsy had checked out. Neither Newsy nor the couple have ever been found. Are you serious? Yeah. They have them on camera and they never found them? Never. If you have any information about the disappearance of Thomas Newsy, please contact the Anchorage Police Department at 907-786-8500. Shit, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened to this dude. Just like that. Just vanished. He's just gone. Oh, my God. The next disappearance that we are going to talk about is um, the disappearance of 20-year-old J.L. Tiara Hamblin. Okay. Uh, J.L. Hamblin was born in Washington State. Um, She was in foster care until she was adopted at 14 months and Aww. was raised in Wasilla, Alaska by her adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. As a child, she was actually diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Oh, When no. her parents noticed social and developmental delays in her growth. Oh, sad. Um, she was rebellious in her early teenage years and had dropped out of high school. What kid is not? And she <laughs> also um, ran away from home um, several times, but the first time at the age of 17. Um, but before this incident, she had recently given birth to a baby boy named Joel. Um, and her parents, according to records, said that she was becoming more responsible and had stated that Joel had given her a purpose in life. Oh, she was last seen on October 11th of 2014. She and her roommate, Kendra Vincent Estrada, had gone to dinner together and returned home around 10 p.m. Kendra and JL's children were being watched by Kendra's mother at the time mm-hmm. so that they could go and enjoy an evening out. Um, JL was considering going out again, on, um, but JL decided to go to bed. So, uh, or sorry, but Kendra decided to go to bed. So JL would have been going out on her own. Gotcha. She communicated with two men via text that night. One of these men was someone she had been interested in but had rejected her. 
Um, she sent him a text around 1.40 in the morning and said she was crying and wanted to see him. Oh. Another set of texts was exchanged around 3 a.m. with another friend. And this would be the last time that anyone heard from her. Aww. Um, Kendra texted JL the next day, um, October 12th, around 10.32 a.m. And when she didn't respond around noon, Kendra went into JL's room. JL was gone and the bed was unmade. Um, she had, um, she had taken her phone in her purse, um, but she had not taken her car. Oh, so someone picked her up. Um, her 1998 Ford Expedition was still parked in the driveway. Weird. Um, but she just figured, oh, JL like wanted to go back out. You know, maybe she left really late or like she really didn't think anything of it because JL had said she wanted to go back out. Yeah. She texted her two more times that afternoon with no response, and all of her calls went straight to voicemail. Analysis of her phone later on determined that none of Kendra's texts were ever received on the 12th, which meant her battery had died or her phone was off. Um, JL's mother finally reported her missing on October 14th of 2014. That's my dad's birthday. And um, (laughs) in March... Of 2015, hikers found uh, JL's purse buried in the snow on a trail in in Chugiak, Alaska. That's so random. Her iPhone 5 and security card, social security card, were still inside. Authorities do not believe that she put it there herself. No. The temperature that night was below freezing. And she was not a hiker or anything of that nature. Yeah. Um, her mother filed for custody of her son after her disappearance and is currently raising him. Oh. And authorities are investigating her disappearance as a possible homicide as they do not believe she would have left her infant son. Um, if you have any information about the disappearance of J.L. Hamblin, please contact the Anchorage Police Department at 907-786-2681. That made me very sad. And that, guys, is part duh of the Alaska Triangle. The Alaska Triangle is a scary and sad place. A major bummer. Major bummer. And you're and you've already had all your wine. I've had. Listen, I have finished my wine like twenty five minutes ago. (laughs) And now here I am. I'm like, it's like literally grape juice. (laughs) I wish I had a straw. You know how fast be, that would be gone if we oh, had straws? Oh, my God. So much. So much faster. That's how I get drunk is with straws. Yo, say, if you put I'm a, just like, <laughs> if you put a straw in my white claw or my truly, I'm fucked. Yeah. Yep. 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 Guys, have you ever had those Bud Light Sours? Ooh, those were good. You left one. You left one at my house. and you It was a it. lemon one. I already had it. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> and funny okay. enough, I drank it after I drank the champagne that you gave me. I, like, drank the little bottle of champagne, which fit perfectly in one of my little White Claw koozies, which was really funny. I drank that, wow. and I was like, I want more of this. And he was like, well, you don't have any more. Ryan, he's the he's the Ryan. Ryan is the he. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, well, we don't have any more. We drank it all. And I was like, that's a bummer. What else do we have? He went over to the cooler that is literally still in my dining room and still full of ice. That is how cold it is. There was one 
one of those left. And he was like, do you want this? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want that. I drank it in like 30 seconds. There you go. Nicole, do you want to tell them what you got for your birthday? Um, I got a lot of shit for my birthday, guys. <laughs> if I could list, I should have written it all down. No, you don't need to write it. So we went out for dinner on my actual birthday, January 4th. Huzzah. And we went to a lovely restaurant in Syracuse. And I will not pinpoint locations. But we went out and Macy came in with this massive motherfucking bag. <laughs> and my extra ass best friend gave me the greatest thing ever. <laughs> she gave me 10 gifts because we were not going to be able to formally celebrate and like have a party with all of our friends and go out like other than dinner, like just the four of us, like do anything for my birthday for 10 days. So she gave me a bag full of presents for those 10 days to hold me over until we could actually like full-on party for my birthday <laughs> and they've you've managed to open every single one you open to open one every single day until like the 15th when we had the, the thing yep they were it was perfectly timed i and she gave me like a little box they were all color coded by the color of tissue paper in them and i would pick a color every day and that would be the bag i would open and i somehow managed to make it so that the very last gift i opened was the one that was like the wine glass and the mini bottle of champagne which i thought was very appropriate for the last gift <laughs> and it was, was just it was like one. all these little tiny things that are just so much fun and so awesome there was just like everything from like these cute little like little home decor stuff to like nail polishes and pens and pencils and makeup stuff and face masks and like there was a book and there was oh my god I can't remember oh you gave me those mug things those like cupcakes the, oh like, I cake, thought you'd like those the mug cakes I thought you'd like those I, like oh my god there was so much stuff <laughs> I like I was I literally was like a child every day I was like I could open a present. <laughs> <laughs> she was like you know you're like um testing my uh patience i told her when she first gave it to me i was like this is very difficult for me and it's gonna take all of my strength to not open every single one of these in the next day but aren't you glad you didn't i'm glad i didn't because it made it fun good yeah because i was like i want to i also want to do this same a similar idea like this for my sister she's getting married um in like a year or so so wow this ladybug just leave us the fuck alone <laughs> he's just like i want to bring you luck what the fucking fuck okay anyway nicole but yeah that was my birthday <laughs> and it was amazing and what an amazing birthday month it is almost drawing to a close I we know. have one more bridgewater part i know <laughs> Ooh, excuse me <laughs> that's how great of a birthday month this been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah nicole celebrated her birthday three times this year yes Within the span of a year, not within 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. Within because, the span of a year. Because my birthday for 2021, I spent it in quarantine. So uh, Macy and Tyler were very kind and they brought a cake over and left it on my doorstep and like. <laughs> and stood outside and waved. Stood 10 feet away from the door and waved at me and sang happy birthday. And I promptly ate a piece of cake and then fell asleep on the couch because I was dying um, <laughs> of COVID. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Macy threw me an actual birthday party on my half birthday, which is July 4th. So Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I had to, like, basically be like, oh, we're having a July 4th party. You so can ask my mother when I was little, I used to think the fireworks on July 4th were for me. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. 
<laughs> this year they were. <laughs> it was a brat. <laughs> next year, next year we'll do a half birthday. We'll blow up a gingerbread house. We need to do your half birthday because that's coming up next. When's my half birthday? Uh, November, March. What did it be? Ew, really? Ooh, March. Can we do something on St. Patrick's Day? Yo, St. Patty's Day. Like, we don't even have to do anything on my actual half birthday. Let's just go out on St. Patty's Day. That'd Funny be fucking enough, sweet. St. Patty's Day is my grandfather's birthday. That's cool. March 17th, and he's 100% Italian. <laughs> I'm super, super Irish, guys. I don't know but, if you could tell by my alabaster skin. Funny enough, I have very, very little but you're Irish Italian. in me. I have, I have a you're lot Italian. of no, Italian I am not. I'm everything that could be pale, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, Nicole, where can they find us? <laughs> 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 we are on Patreon. Huzzah! At Buzzkill. No, patreon.com slash Buzzkillers Podcast. Yes, go be a part of the Patron Glass. Pay one or two dollars a month and get lots of bonus content and join our Patron Glass. It's worth it, I promise. Guys, Patron episode I was gonna this say, month is going to be super fun. It's all about me. No, I'm kidding. It, I mean, it, it is. It's is your birthday though. month. <laughs> it's all about me. It's all about That's going to be the title me. of the episode. It's all about me. Hyphen the call. I'm okay with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would like to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Buzzkillers Podcast. At Buzzkillers Podcast. We are on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. Buzzkillers Pod. We are on YouTube, YouTube. Um, and go into your handy dandy search bar and type in Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. And while you're over there, hit that subscribe button. We can get a custom URL and finding us will be so much easier. Thank you for liking and subscribing. Um, If you would like to listen to us more than you already currently are, <laughs> we are on every streaming platform you can fucking imagine. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Amazon Music slash Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and our host platypus Podbean. Host platypus. And website. Yes, we have a website. We do have a website. We always forget to talk about it. We do actually. <laughs> we have a website that I built that has a little bit of fun snuff about um, Macy and I. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Um, <laughs> About me, you know, you can le- learn a little bit about each one of us. Um, there, <laughs> are you okay? I just thought of like a catchphrase. <gasps> Buzz killers, it's fun schnuff. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to everyone's ears that just heard me straight cackle, yell into your microphone. <laughs> Buzz killers, it's fun schnuff. It's fun schnuff. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm drinking this wine so fast. Okay. Yo, we're recording this right after work. We haven't eaten such lunch. <laughs> Good wine. If you're on our website, you can also a uh, you can listen to us. You can check out all the wines we drink. And most importantly, there's this wonderful contact page where you can email us. You can type whatever you want into that little bar. It can be anything from just a simple hello to a story you want to tell us to a recommendation for a case or a monthly topic. It can be just some love. It can just be like, bitches, you messed this up. You maybe you, you might want to fix this. Okay, I love you. Bye. Because you got to be nice. Honestly, guys, we <laughs> are so open to constructive criticism. Like, 
please thank you to the people who have talked to us about our sound we have worked really hard to fix that for you we are noobs i don't know what the fuck i'm doing man the Yo. last time i literally worked with garage band was when i took a college class like 10 fucking years ago i haven't worked with garage band since high school so yeah yep. so we're learning <laughs> we're learning we're growing we're gonna fix it for you and this summer we're gonna do an overhaul of all yes. of our episodes and turn them up as much as we can and we appreciate all of your feedback. All of your feedback and for sticking with us through it. Yeah. Because we've just been learning along with you guys and yeah, just we don't know any blast. better. We like to listen to podcasts that don't mean we know everything about them. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, what does this button do? <laughs> Literally, Nicole told me the other day, she's like, you know, you can right click and like do what you're doing, but like with two less steps. And I was like what it was like the one thing i knew how to do in garage band and i was like i'm so sorry i never told you before but, it, but, but i also think it was literally because we started using your computer because my computer crashed when we were doing yeah. the warren month and i've never used this version of garage band it's like the newest of i the was new. using like my garage band version from like 28 years ago yeah like that like man guys if you saw what i was working with before this it was a hot mess i like <laughs> You you don't like you would look at that now and be like this is like ancient technology literally <laughs> ancient aliens made this but we made it work but we made it work anyway but, guys anyway so yeah there's a contact page on there and if you don't want to use that contact page on our website you can email us directly we are buzzkillerspodcast at gmail dot com buzzkillerspodcast at gmail dot com and that's that I believe that's that. Boss killers, robots in disguise. Wait, that's not it. <laughs> it's punch up. <laughs> I just can't get over that. That's hilarious. Anyway, guys, punch up. Punch up. <laughs> what if we had like a shirt that had like a like the Buzz Killers logo on the front, on the chest, and on the back it said it's punch up. It's punch up. S H N U F F. Not snuff. snuff. That because that's like a no. It's snuff. snuff. Okay, snuff. makes no sense. Yeah. Absolutely none. Anyway, guys, <laughs> <laughs> tune in next week for the last installment of the Bridgewater Triangle episode. Um, we are so excited for next month. That will be announced on the 1st of February. Yes. Um, we've got some really, really cool things coming up for that. Um, but thank you for liking and subscribing. Thank you for sticking with us. We love you guys so much. And, um, we're just so happy that we get to do this every week. It's fun. Yes, we are. You have no idea how much we enjoy this is like my outlet. This podcast. It is like, it, it, even though it's a lot of work, it's like our thing that makes us just feel good inside. It's like yeah. our hard work, and it's our. We love it. it is our. It's our outlet. It's, we have a great time, yeah. and we're just happy we have a great Tim. We had a great Tim while we was chicken crit. <laughs> Another YouTube video <laughs> that y'all need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah go look that one up it's called i had a grot tim <laughs> i had a grot <laughs> so thank you so much for listening tune in next week for the next episode and um we will see you then <gasps> okay bye bye <laughs>